chapter 1 is our text this morning. We'll begin to read in verse number 26. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject. Convenience is not commitment. Convenience is not commitment. Luke chapter 1, we'll begin to read in verse 26. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. Where the Bible says in Luke 1, begin to read in verse number 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin <clears throat> betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit... God, I pray would challenge hearts and lives. I pray for the lost, the one who's here this morning, God, who has truly never been born again. God, they may be blinded by religion. They think just because they were born and raised in a church and near a church and around a church that they have salvation. But there's never been a moment that they've truly repented and trusted you. God, I pray you'll help them to see how lost they are today. And I pray they'll choose today to turn, surrender their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for every believer that's here today. God, who struggles with the definition today that the, the apostate church has brought of, of lordship. It's a lordship based on convenience. God, I pray you'll remind us today that convenience is not true commitment and surrender. And I pray that every disciple will leave today, God, fully committed, fully surrendered, just like Mary was to the Lordship of Almighty God upon their life. Whatever other needs are represented, God, you know every heart, you know every life, you know every need, and we pray your Spirit will speak to us and invite us into your will. And God, I pray that we'll choose today to submit ourselves to it. Bless this time being honored and glorified through everything that's said and done here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. I remind you again that as we we look at the, the book of Luke. Last week we began uh, in verse number 5. We're just looking, taking a pause from our studies in the book of John uh, through the month of December that for over 400 years uh, there had not been one single prophetic word uh, that had been spoken 
uh, to the nation of Israel. God had been completely silent from after the book of Malachi. Not one single word was spoken. Then Zechariah was faithfully serving the Lord. There Gabriel came and began to speak God's will and God's word to him. And so six months later, uh, this same angel that has visited Zechariah, uh, now it's visiting Mary, uh, that God's perfect plan would come about in his perfect time. Remember that the book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4 says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And so for 4,000 years since Genesis chapter 315 uh, had been spoken, every woman had to wonder, you know, is this the promised one that Genesis 315 speaks of? Since God had called Abraham, every Jewish woman had to think, is this the promised one. And now God was moving, and it was time for Christ to come. Uh, you know, most certainly at Christmas, we want to keep Jesus at the center. He is the reason for the season. But there are some interesting uh, Bible characters who were real people, who had real lives, who really were serving the Lord. And their testimony has some great truth to speak to us, and certainly that's the case for Mary. No one in the Christmas story apart from Christ played a bigger role in the Christmas story than Mary did. And I want to tell you something, friend. Her commitment to God was not marked and grounded in convenience. It was grounded in surrender to the Lordship of Almighty God upon her life. And it ought to be a reality in ours as well. I want you to notice three things this morning that our truth, our text bears out. First off, I want you to notice a simple person. A simple person. Verse number 26 says, Now it was the sixth month, angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. You can really go to one of two extremes about Mary. You can so exalt her as some of the Catholic faith do, many in the Catholic faith, uh, do that you, you exalt her to own par with Jesus, that it was really Mary that made Jesus special. And friend, that's just unbiblical. It's, it's untrue. But you can also go to the other far extreme that you so minimize it to offset what some of the Catholic faith do to raise her above biblical truth that you really don't give her the credence um, that, she is, that she is due. Uh, but the Bible says some things about her that are very interesting. She was from a region of Galilee, called Nazareth. We remember from our studies in the book of John when we first began that Philip had uh, met Christ. He had gone and seen. And then he was so burdened for his friend Nathaniel, who was a Jew of Jews, that he went and found uh, Nathaniel. He says, man, you need, to come, you need to come hear about Jesus. You need to meet this man that's changed my life. And in John chapter 1, verse 46, remember Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth. I mean, that's just a, you know, for, for us, that's just a little podunk town. There's nothing, there, there, are, there aren't any blue bloods down in Nazareth. You know, that's kind of where the poorer people are. I mean, what really is God going to do out of a city called Nazareth? Um, we also know some other things. Uh, verse number 27, she was betrothed to a man named Joseph. Now, remember, this, the betrothal period was different. Uh, than an engagement period. They, they too were engaged, that is, that they would be committed to one another, that he was going to marry her and she was going to marry him. But the Jews in Jewish history, 
they had a betrothal period. Um, they were as good as married, pay attention, but they had not yet had a ceremony and then consummated the marriage. And so legally, they were husband and wife in every single way except for one way. They had not yet consummated their marriage. And so it speaks that he was just, uh, Joseph was a, he was a carpenter. Uh, he, he wasn't the engineer that came up with the plans that he built. Um, he, he, didn't, he didn't own a series of uh, building plants where many people did building. He was just a humble carpenter who lived in a humble town. And so their, while their engagement was legally binding, they had not yet entered this, this period of, of consummation. And so look at your text in verse number 27. She was also a virgin. Friend, many people have tried to disprove this, to speak it away. And listen, uh, they've tried to say, well, it is absolutely impossible uh, for humanly for Mary to be pregnant with a child apart for consummation. And you're right. They are exactly right. It is absolutely impossible from a human standpoint for Mary uh, to, to be pregnant with a child. But friends, she wasn't pregnant with man's child. She was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and had Jesus Christ in her womb. I want you to listen to me. If you do away with Mary being a virgin and explain it away and try to prove it untrue, then, friend, Christ was born in sin. David said, I was conceived in sin. Not that the act that God gave to a husband and a wife to be fruitful and multiply was sinful, but that because Adam fell, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, by one man sin entered the world, and then death through sin. Every time a husband and wife were, were faithful to do what God had called them to do, to be fruitful and multiply the earth, and then in God's gift, in God's graciousness, they were able to have a child. That child was born with a sin nature. And so Genesis 3.15 teaches that God's going to bypass the sin nature of man. And so Jesus was going to be fully human, except for a sin nature, and fully God all at the same time. And you say, well, that makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's all of God. Our human minds can't break it apart, but by faith we receive it. The Word, God, became flesh, and He dwelt among us. And so Mary was just a very simple person. Uh, she didn't glow when she walked down the street. She didn't have a big gold plate behind her head like you see in a lot of the pictures. She was just a simple country girl who in the providence of God discovered God's will for her life. She was probably no more than 13 to, to 14 years old. And she was betrothed to, to a carpenter named Joseph who was a God-fearing man. She was a God-fearing woman in the fearing in the sense of they were committed. But these were just absolutely simple people. She was humble. She was ordinary. She had a sin nature, just like you and I were born with. And she's going to give birth to the Savior, listen, who in turn would save her sinful soul. It's amazing to think of. Absolutely amazing. But don't miss this point. She was a simple, ordinary person that God did something great in and through. I want you to hear me this morning. If God can use Mary to do something, he can use you. The people, friend, who aren't usable are the ones, friend, who think they're, they're bigger than other people. God doesn't use big people. He uses little people. He uses people who have absolutely 
emptied themselves of self to where he gets all the glory for everything. And so, as we shared many times, you know, don't pray that God will use you more. Pray that you'll be more usable, and God will wear you out with service. I, you may be here this morning, and I deal with this a lot in ministry with people I talk to. There are people who have such low self-esteem that it's in a place that it's unhealthy. You need to believe, John 15, 5, that you're nothing without God. You can do nothing without Him. But at the same time, you need to balance that truth with Philippians 4, 13, that in Jesus Christ, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're somebody in Christ. He wants to do great and wonderful things through. He, God chose Mary to carry Jesus for, for nine months to give birth to him, and then just, listen, and what could they teach him in the strength and admonition? How could, they, how could they train him to follow the Lord? He was God in human flesh. They just kept up with him and made sure he had what he needed. He taught people things. He taught them things. They had the benefit and the privilege, friend, to parent Jesus Christ until his public ministry began. So I'm telling you, God uses simple ordinary people. And don't you let the devil rob you of the blessing and the joy of serving Jesus Christ. If you've never come to a place in your life where you've said, Lord, whatever I have to do, wherever I have to go, I don't care. I just simply want to be used by you and your will. Friend, you do that. And I'm telling you, God will wear you out with service. And like he did something great in Mary and through her, He'll do something great in and through you. You are somebody in Jesus Christ. Secondly, not only is, do we notice a simple person this morning, I want you to notice a sovereign plan, a sovereign plan. Verse number 28 says that in having come in, <clears throat> she's visited by this angel, uh, the Bible says. She, she's betrothed to, to Joseph. We, we know now her name is Mary, verse number 27. And having come in, the angel said to her, it's the same angel, verse 26, Gabriel, who spoke to Zacharias. He is, he's come in and he begins to speak to her and says, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you. Now don't miss this. Among women, not above women. And many in the cat, and this is not an attack on Catholicism this morning, but I'm telling you, the thought and the teaching that Mary's above other women, friend, it's not true. She's not beneath anyone else, but she's not above anyone else. Friend, you need to be reminded this morning, it is level ground at the foot of the cross. Level ground. There's no big shots. There's no little shots. We're all somebody in Jesus Christ. And he says, so blessed are you among women. Well, the Bible says in verse number 29 that when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And I would say, I reckon, I mean, again, just to, to imagine just a normal day, and here an angel is in front of you and begins to speak to you and to tell you things that she really didn't believe because in the sense of she was just a simple, humble person and says, you're, you're about to be blessed. And so she was troubled at the thought, says, I'm, I'm highly favored, rejoice for your highly favored. The Lord is with you, blessed are you, among women. And so she was troubled at his saying and considered what kind of manner of greeting this was. Uh, Brother Bill Harbison used to say from time to time when there would be times of you, wouldn't, you weren't able to understand exactly what was happening. He'd say, we just need to wait and see what God's up to. 
And so she was, she was, she was really considering and pondering, what is it that, that God is up to? Her humility was such that she really didn't understand what God would be doing with her. And friend, that's true humility. Humility is one of those things that if you ever realize you're humble, you're really not. Think about that. You see somebody say, what's one of your greatest attributes? Oh, I'm humble. No, you're not. The humble person never really knows that they are humble. They realize that they're absolutely nothing without Jesus Christ. They don't want any bragging. They, they, don't, want any, they, don't, they don't want any backpacks, uh, pack, pats on the back. Not that they don't appreciate encouragement, but above all and everything, friend, they want God to get the glory for everything. That's, that's true humility. And it's something that you really you can't make yourself be. It's something you pray you just become and that you are in Jesus Christ. And, and it seems that's the kind of person that she was. And so notice God's about to reveal this sovereign plan through Gabriel to her. He has a plan for her life. This, this simple person who lives in a town that nobody thinks anything good can come out of. They look down upon the people that are there. They say, poor, poor, poor Joseph and poor, poor Mary down there. They'll, they'll never have a pot to boil anything in. They're so pitiful down there in Nazareth. But friend, they had the one thing that you need, and that's God. And they had everything. And God had a plan for their life, and he begins to reveal that. He says, God's chosen you for his plan. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. God has a chosen plan for your life. You, you, you have favor. He has something that he wants to do, and he, you're not going to have to do anything except be available. To simply yield yourself to God's plan, and he's going to work through you. And here he reveals it, verse number 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Mary, you need to pay attention to this. You're the woman that God has chosen through all the women who have ever been born and are alive right now that's going to carry Jesus Christ as a baby, unborn, for nine months, and then you're going to give birth to him. And I'll remind you again, friend, that the Bible doesn't say that she was with fetus, she was with pregnancy tissue, the Bible says she was with child. She was with child. And so he says, you're, you're the one. You're, you're, the, you're the promised one. Because, and God's going to reveal this and God's going to do this as you yield yourself. And so the angel continues to share some things that are just of, of great encouragement. And we praise the Lord for this morning. Look at verse number 32. It says, and he shall be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And so the Bible, first off, Gabriel begins to speak of his, of his saving work. Behold, you will, you will conceive and bring forth in your womb and bring forth a son. And you will call his name Jesus. Literally, Jesus translated, God is salvation. God's going to redeem a lost and dying world from the penalty of their sin. And then, friend, as we come to trust Christ as, as Lord and Savior through the process of sanctification, that is, daily we continue to, to yield ourselves more to Jesus. Listen, when I got saved many years ago, I gave all of me that I knew to give to Jesus. 
But every day, friend, I begin to discover more about myself that I haven't given to Jesus. And I give, I give that to him. And I discover another part that I didn't even know was there. And I give that to him. That's sanctification. That's every day more of you being available to be used by God. And so not only are we saved from sin's penalty, but through sanctification, we're, we're, we're saved from sin's possession. That you don't have to be a slave to sin. If you read books and you pick up stuff down at the, you know, the, the Christian bookstore, you'll read a lot of these self-help books. And really, it's just to get you more dependent upon the person that's writing it rather than dependent upon Jesus. And they'll try to convince you that you were born with some kind of gene or you inherited something from your parents that make you more predisposition to this type of sin. Friend, listen, we were all born with a sin nature. Nobody's got a leg up on anybody. And some say, well, I've got the gene. That's why I'm a victim to this sin. No, friend, if you've been saved and you're continuing to sin in this sin, it's because you want to. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 13 that I can do what? what? All things. I'm telling you, friend, there is not a sin, there's not a habit, there's not an addiction, there's not a hang-up that you can't be free from, and it's all through what Jesus Christ did on the cross because you have the Holy Spirit living within your heart that can give you victory over any sinful temptation. He'll, he'll save his people from their sin. His name will be called Jesus. It speaks of his saving work. But the Bible also speaks about his righteous life. He will be great, absolute, free from sin. He'll be the son of the highest. He's the son of God. That means, friend, if Joseph would have been Jesus' daddy, he would have had a sin nature just like me and you. But God was his father, and therefore he bypassed the sin nature that all men and women give to their children, and he was great, and he was the Son of God. It also speaks about his kingly position. Look at verse number 33. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom there will be no end. In our studies of John, why do we continue to see the Pharisees really just fuzz up every time Jesus begins to speak about his kingdom? And what it is that God has sent them to do. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Judaic leaders, they had created a kingdom for themselves. And nobody was going to tell them what to do. Nobody was going to rule over them. That's why he came into his own and his own would not receive him. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is, friend, every single person who's ever been born and will be born inside your heart, I want you to listen to me, there's an invisible throne. And somebody's going to sit on that throne. Either you're going to sit on that throne or Jesus is going to sit on that throne. And when Jesus is sitting on the throne, you can't sit on the throne because you have surrendered it to his lordship. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they wouldn't receive that. He said, nobody's going to tell us what to do. And friend, it's still the same today. When you seek to share the good news of the gospel with someone, that they can be free from sin's penalty, that when they die, they don't have to die and go to hell. What is it that keeps people from receiving Jesus? It's not just that they don't get it. It's not just that they have some hang-ups and some questions. It's this. Nobody's going to sit on the throne of their heart but themselves. And that's why people die and go to hell. Because they won't turn from sin and surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And so the angel begins to speak about his kingly position. He is king of kings. He is Lord 
of lords. And so God has a plan, friend. Not only does he have a plan for Mary, but he's got a plan for you. This plan for her was that she would carry Jesus for nine months. She would give birth to him. Then she and Joseph together would guide him and parent him. And again, can you, can you imagine? Never had, to, never had to put him in time out. Never had to spank him. Never had to threaten him. Never had to say, what would you say? None of those things, friend. It was, I mean, the, the pleasure they had to have, the, 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 the benefit, the favor that God gave them to be a parent to the Lord Jesus Christ, to have him live in your home for all the years that he did until he began his Pope ministry. God had a plan for her life. Listen to me this morning. God has a plan for your life. Just like there's a throne in your heart that somebody's going to sit on, there's a plan for your life. There's two plans. There's your plan, and there's God's plan. There's a lot of false beliefs today that, you know, if I just pray hard enough, you know, and I get enough people praying with me, you know, if I believe it hard enough, somehow I can choke God down like a professional wrestler. I can just choke him down and get him in the headlock, and he's going he's gonna to tap out, and he's going to surrender his will to my will. Well, friend, God may let you walk in your will, but his will is not your will. His will. His ways are not your ways, and your ways are not his ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And God has a plan for your life, friend, and the only way you can experience it is to lay your plan down and say, God, I have no preference, I have no desire, only want your perfect will to be done in my life. And friend, then and only then can you experience that sovereign plan that God has for your life just like he had for Mary. And I believe with all my heart, friend, that, that, that the tears that God's going to wipe away from our eyes, it's not from sin because our sin was paid for at the cross. It was settled. We in the eyes of God are righteous, not because of us, but because His righteousness from our text is born. We've been justified. Though we were guilty, we have been declared sinless by a holy God. The tears that God's going to wipe away, friend, are when at the judgment seat of Christ, when you and I stand, we're going to see all the missed opportunities, the things that God wanted to do in us and through us that he didn't do because we wouldn't lay our plan down and surrender it to his plan. Mary was able to experience this, friend, because she surrendered herself to whatever God's sovereign plan was. Third notice now, just that, a surrendered preference. A surrendered preference. Well, now Mary's, Mary's faced with a decision. Uh, she, she, has to, she has to make a choice. Verse number 34, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? Now that word know doesn't mean, you know, well, she knew Joseph, she knew her father, she knew cousins, she knew other gentlemen in the community. It's not an intellectual knowledge. That word know means exactly what you think it means. She had not known Joseph through the, through the process of consummation of their marriage. She says, how, how can this be since I, I do not know a man? Now, I want you to understand this morning that, that she has a different heart than Zacharias had. Zacharias began to question. The angel said, well, how's this going to be? And again, he was really smart. He says, I'm an old man. But my wife's well advanced in years. He didn't call her old. He was, he was really sharp. 
And so things did not work in their marriage, Zacharias and Elizabeth, the way they did when they first got married. Things weren't the same. And he, this angel's telling him, no, you're going to have a child. You're going to name him John. And Zacharias is like, this is impossible. There's no way that this is going to happen through the healthy process of a marriage because that doesn't exist in our life anymore. And you remember that the angel saw his heart and he judged him and for nine months Zacharias didn't speak. Well, the heart of Mary was not such. How do we know that? Turn over and look at verse number 45. Sometime later, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth and she enters the house and you'll remember that John, the baby, not the fetus, the baby, verse 41, heard Mary's voice and leaped in her womb because he knew Jesus was in there. He heard the, the voice of the one that was carrying Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 41. And so what is that? God begins to speak through her some prophetic truths about Jesus and about Mary. But in verse number 45, she says of Mary, Blessed is she who believed. Zacharias didn't believe. Mary believed. She knew that God could do this, but she had questions. You know, well now, how exactly is this going to happen? Because Joseph and I are betrothed, but we're not married. We haven't had a marriage ceremony yet. And so she had, a, she had a different heart. And the answer to that, verse number 35, is this. God was going to do it all. And the, angel, and the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One is to be born, who is to be born will be called the Son of God. God's going to do it all. He's going to do everything. And, and, you know, and you may have questions. God leads you to a place you know God wants you to do something. Whether it's to start a new ministry, to help start a new ministry, to start using your spiritual gift in an existing ministry. You've never done that and you're absolutely scared to death about it. To really begin to live on mission. To, to see where, you, just as God calls people to, to a people group in Africa or Asia, you begin to realize he's called you to the people group right here in East Tennessee. This is your mission field. And you really want to begin to see your life through the lens of living on mission. But it, that absolutely terrifies you. You say, I, I don't know how to engage people in conversation. I don't, how, how are all these things going to be? How, how's all this going to work out? Friend, listen, it's going to work out just like it did for Mary. God's going to do it all. He's going to open the doors. He will strengthen you. He will empower you. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the training. He'll give you all the things that you need to do to accomplish what it is that He's called you to do if you'll just make yourself available. He'll do it. Because Philippians 4.13 again says, I can do all things. Jesus says, John 15.5, without me, you can't do anything. But the reverse truth is this, that through you, I'll do everything. Remember that the successful Christian life, it's not you living for Jesus. It's Jesus living through you. That's what it's all about. Friend, if it depends upon me, we're going to fail. So I just, I'm, going, I'm trying to live for Jesus just the best I can. That's your problem. Stop trying to live for Jesus. Yield yourself to Him and let Him live His life through you. Be a doer of His Word. Be a doer of His will. And he'll, he'll do it. God was going to do 
everything. She was simply going to make herself available. Look at the further encouragement. It's, it's the benefit of a testimony. You know, sometimes you think, you know, why did this happen to me? To the positive and the negative. Maybe something's a sickness, something that was very painful. It may be something you're like, I, why did God bless me this way? I'm so undeserving of this blessing that God has done. He did it. He did it all. He used me in this way. I can't get any of the glory. I just don't understand why God would do this beyond what the immediate result was. Well, did you ever think, friend, that to the positive and the negative, sometimes the things that God does in your life and through your life, later on, so it can be a blessing and encouragement to someone else. It can be an example of God's power. Look at verse 36. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, she's also conceived a son. But he continues on. And the, even the angel is nice to her in her old age. He didn't call her old. But she was past the years of being able to give childbirth, and she had always been barren too. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. So it was impossible. They had tried. They wanted a child. And that because Zechariah said, praises that the reproach has been taken away. And Elizabeth says that. My, my reproach, she wanted to have a child, but she... And, and women had to look and say, well, I wonder, wonder how she sinned. wonder what Elizabeth did. Man, she's not able to have children. You know, we, we've had a few, but we didn't want five, six, and seven. We didn't plan on them. We just planned for one through four. You know, wonder what she did. wonder what she did. Well, she didn't do anything. It was just that God was waiting to do something special in her life. And friend, that's trust. That's trusting that God has a plan. And so he begins to encourage Mary and say, God's going to do everything. Verse number 37, for with God, nothing is impossible. I'm telling you, there's no obstacle that is before you and what God has called you to do, friend, that he can't make a way through. And it causes us to trust him more. Do you ever think about if the road was just clear, the tracks were greased, there were no bumps in the road? you're not careful before long, you really begin to think, you know, I've really got this. You know, I, I'm really something in what this is. God, matter of fact, I don't even really need God. I don't even really need Him. With, say it's teaching Sunday school. You say, well, I don't really need to study. And uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really need to depend upon the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to, man, I'm going to roll in there and wing it. I've just, I've really got this. No, friend, you don't have it. You do have to study to show yourself approved. You do have to put the effort in. So I'm just a people person. I'll be, I, can just, I can sell anything. Listen, I can sell a bathing suit to an Eskimo. I can sell a toothbrush to somebody that's lost all their teeth. I mean, I'm just a people person. I'm going to be great at evangelism. I'm just really going to be something. No, you're not. You're only going to be great at it as God lives his life through you and does it. All spiritual things are completely dependent upon God. And the reason so many Christians, disciples, live subpar lives, they live them without being dependent upon the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine, where's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That means he's, he's controlling you. Christ is living his life through you. I want you to understand this, friend, what God had called her to. It wasn't convenient. Now think about this. There was, there was no social media back then. If you got hated on, friend, and bullied, it was in person. Here was Mary, 
who everybody knew had not yet had the final marriage ceremony, that she and Joseph had not consummated their marriage yet. And here she was that was going to be walking down the street with the, uh, the old baby bump. Well, I saw her. I saw her sick out behind the barn. She's something. Her nose is swelling a little bit. Have you, seen, have you seen Mary? Her face is starting to swell a little. I think she's pregnant. What, was there, no, there was no ceremony. No ceremony at all. Well, she's, she's been with another man. Can you believe? Nobody else knew, friend, but Zacharias and Elizabeth and Joseph. And if they did, who was going to believe? It was completely inconvenient. But still yet, she was willing to submit herself to all the shame, to all the hardship, to all the challenge, and all the difficulty. Look at verse number 38. She says, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What was she saying? Let God's will be done in my life. Whatever the hardship, whatever the challenge, whatever the difficulty, whatever friends I have to lose, whatever family doesn't like me because they don't understand what it is that God's doing in my life, I don't care. But it wasn't, listen, commitment is not about convenience. If you buy in today to the altered view of lordship, it is, well, well, Jesus is Lord when it's convenient for you. But because God loves you, you just live your life the way you want to. And friend, that's not surrender to Christ's lordship. Surrender to Christ's lordship is whatever he wills, I will do. Wherever he calls, there I will go. It's complete surrender. It's the attitude that she had. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. The maidservant of the Lord, whatever God's calling me to do, I'll do. She was willing to sacrifice everything for the salvation of the world. I want to ask you a question. What are you willing to sacrifice for the salvation of your neighbor? What are you willing to sacrifice for the salvation of your coworker? What are you willing to sacrifice for the salvation of your family member that you've adopted that to? Well, you can't witness to your family. What are you willing to sacrifice? That people won't die and go to hell. That they can hear the good news of the gospel. What are you willing to sacrifice that the saved can be discipled in the word of God? In a local church. She was willing to sacrifice everything. That on that first Christmas morning, salvation was born in the fullness of time. That God might redeem us from our sins. What are you and I willing to sacrifice? It's not about convenience. It's about total surrender to Christ's lordship. You're willing to be inconvenienced? Are you willing to sincerely commit to God's calling? Mary was. Mary was. She was all in. Friend, the idea of all in today, again, I submit to you, as you read and you listen to the radio, to a lot of these guys that wouldn't know God if they met him in the road, if it's convenient then you, you commit to it. True commitment is, Lord, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I surrender everything, just like Mary did. You'll have to sacrifice your time to live on mission. You have to sacrifice relationships, resources, comfort. Her answer must be ours. Behold the handmaid. Behold the bondservant, God. 
through the dust. No lower can I get. God, I've put my nose in the dirt. You're Lord. I am nothing. Bowed to God's will. Hardship, you betcha. I'm telling you, friend, when you submit to Christ's lordship, you're going to face Satan all day long, and even when you go to sleep, he's going to try to get in your dreams. Won't be a moment there won't be Ephesians 6, spiritual warfare. It's going to be hardship. It's worth it. The greater benefit to service for her, she gave birth and parented Jesus. What if she would have said no? She'd have missed that opportunity. What if you say no to what God's calling you to do? You're going to miss the blessing of being used like Mary was that day. Listen to me. Convenience is not commitment. True commitment will inconvenience you in every way. But if Jesus is truly Lord of your life, you've already given him everything that you have. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to invite you today, if you've never responded to the good news of the gospel, to turn from sin and trust Christ. Listen to me. I don't care how many churches you've been in, how many churches you've been a member of, how many ponds, rivers, and baptistries you've been baptized in. If there's never been a moment where you've repented and trusted Christ, you're lost in your sin today and you need to be saved. God loves you. He's done everything short of violate your free will to see you saved. Won't you choose today to turn and trust Him? Tell Him so, just like this, in a silent prayer where you sit. Pray just like this, but you've got to mean it from your heart. God, forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. And as I turn from sin, I trust Jesus to be Lord of my life, to sit on the throne of my life, be Lord of me. Did you pray that? Did you mean it? When they begin to play here in just a minute, after, after we stand our feet in just a few moments, I want to invite you to step out in one of these aisles and make your way forward. And I want to encourage you in this decision you've made today. Friend, have you truly surrendered your life to Christ's lordship the way Mary has? I mean, just does God really have all of you? Or are there some things you just wouldn't be willing to do that he called you to do? Then stop today and say, Lord, with whatever days I have left, I'm going to have that same kind of commitment. Whatever it is you called me to do, behold the maidservant of the Lord. Behold the servant of the Lord. I'll trust you to empower. I'll trust you to break down all the walls. I'll trust you to help me with all my hang-ups and all the things that Satan's, I've allowed him to plant into my life that tell me that I can't. When your word says I can through you who strengthens me. That's my commitment today. Behold the servant of the Lord. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit who sees the levels of need in every heart of every disciple that's in this room today. I pray your spirit will speak to us and invite us into your will. Where we stand in need of revival, where we stand in need of encouragement, where we stand in need, God, of you opening another door. Uh, Lord, we've been following you, but you're ready to, to start a new chapter in, in a new direction to do something different. God, I pray you'll speak those words of peace to us. And Lord, you'll lead us. Speak to your church today. Challenge those, God, I pray, who still haven't trusted you to be Lord of their life. God, I pray you'll be long-suffering. You'll continue to give them opportunity. God, break their heart with their losses, and we pray for them that they'll turn and choose Christ. You be Lord of this invitation and get all the glory for it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's reverently stand our feet.